for those who took care of the tabernacle, you know, the Ark of the Covenant and all that. The, the temple had not been built yet, so they had uh, the, the, the tabernacle that was there. The priests would go in and they would take care of the religious duties. One priest, his name was Eli. Now, who is Eli? Well, let's give a little background. Eli, after Eli came Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, 2. After Samuel came King Saul. After King Saul came um, uh, King David. So now you know the, the area in which we're in. All right, so here is an epitaph about Eli's sons. Eli was a high priest, which meant that he took care of the, ta of the tabernacle. The high priest was uh, the number one guy. He's the one that uh, would go into the tabernacle, into the Holy Holies at the, uh, uh, the Day of Atonement, and he would go in and he would take care of things inside there. He was the only one that was allowed in that section of the tabernacle, in that Holy Holy. No one else was allowed in there. So Eli was the, uh, the head priest or the high priest. How did he become the priest? Well, it's kind of like kingship. Um, you are born a priest. In other words, your dad was a priest, so you're probably going to become a priest. So Eli had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And uh, so this is how uh, God describes, or the book of Samuel describes his sons. Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. The best way to describe them is they lived in their mommy's basement and did absolutely nothing. Okay? Now, it was a practice of the priests that whenever any of the people offered a sacrifice, the priest's servants would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand uh, while the meat was boiling. And would plunge a fork into the pan or the kettle or cauldron or pot. And whenever the fork brought out, they would take for himself. So this is how the priests ate. You know, they would put a fork in there and they bring out the piece of meat uh, and that meat is what you could eat. That you could not choose what you were going to get. You, that's what you got. Uh, this is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the priest's servants would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, give the priest some meat to roast. We won't accept boiled meat from you. Only raw. Then you can make it your way to anything else. If a person said to him, let the fat be burned first, then take whatever you want. The servant would answer, no, hand it over now. If you don't, I will take it by force. This sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Now let's go to verse 22. Now, Eli was very old. Now, how old he was, we don't know for sure. We do know that he died at 98 years old. I'm assuming, in my opinion, he was probably in his 70s, if maybe a little more than that. He was very old and heard everything that his sons were doing to all of Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So, you know, these sex scandals that we seem to be having in the church is nothing new. Even Eli's sons were doing that. They were sleeping with the women who served at the entrance. So they were, these women were one of two things. They were women who were serving. Uh, they were employed. They were, uh, you know, taking care of, of, the, of the tent. 
or they were women who were coming to be ministered to, to worship. Irregardless, they were committing adultery. So, or fornication. So he said to them, why do you do such things? I hear that all the people, from all the people about the wicked deeds that you are doing. No, my sons, the report I hear is spreading amongst the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God will mandate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who, enters, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. So let's ask a question. What do you do when uh, children go bad or leave the faith? What do you do? So we're going to talk about that today. Because I guarantee er almost everyone here knows of this situation. Where uh, you might be the parent. Or uh, you might know somebody within your family. That have left the faith or involved in something that's not uh, biblical or scriptural. As a parent, I know that that has to be just gut-wrenching. And has to be just tearing you apart. Because there are parents who do the right thing. And yet children have a free will. And we'll talk about this a little later. So let's look at who Eli's sons were. Eli's sons were scoundrels. I thought that was an interesting word, so I looked it up. What does the word scoundrel mean? It means they are worthless. They're good for nothings. Uh, unprofitable. Uh, base fell. That's the definition. So they were able to accomplish nothing. They, they had no regard for the Lord. And yet Eli, in his whole life, was involved with the Lord. But yet his children, even though they were in the tent meeting, in the, and they were involved with religious activity, they still had no regard for the Lord. I think of John Piper. Uh, he's a, a, a Christian author right now whose son has actually turned against the faith and is putting videos out there right now against the faith and how he must feel. So they were, they were, um, they were worthless. It's very self-centered. So here's the practice. Somebody would come and they would sacrifice an animal. And then they would take that animal and they would put it in a pot and they would start boiling what happens when you boil meat? The taste comes out of it, and so it's maybe not as good as it could be. Where is the most tasty part of the meat? Next to the fat. Okay, I think of a prime rib. A, a nice, juicy prime rib. I will always, when I eat a prime rib, so whenever you take me out and give me prime rib, Okay, I will always eat the hard part first, so I can have the best part last. So where's the best part? Next to the fat. And so his sons knew that, and so they wanted the fatty part. They wanted the meat. They wanted the juicy part. And so what they would do is they would demand that section. They would cut that off first, and then they would throw it into the pot. So the priests, what they would do is they would put a fork in there and they bring out that piece of meat and that's what they ate. Most likely, it was the tough part. It wasn't the juicy part, it was the tough part. 
And so that was one of the of the sins that they committed. The other one was the fact that they were they were messing around and they shouldn't be. So Eli then went and confronted them, and they didn't respond. Okay, so let's talk about what do we do when one of our children are involved with things that are not becoming of a Christian, or even your household. All right, let's look at that. Wait, let me back up. Okay, number one. When my children go bad or leave the faith, realize you're not alone. Realize you're not alone. Let me give you a list here. God was the parent of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel. <clears throat> Cain killed Abel. Isaac had Jacob and Esau. And there were two brothers that wanted to kill each other. Jacob had ten sons who sold their brother into slavery and lied to him about it. Jochebed had Moses, who was a murderer. Jochebed had Aaron, who made a golden calf. Manoah and Zephaniah had Samson, who engaged in sexual behavior with a harlot. Eli had two sons, Hophani and Phinehas, who were corrupt priests. Jethro had David, who was an adulterer and murderer. David had a son named Amnon, who raped his half-sister. David had a son named Absalom, who tried to steal his throne. And David had another son, Solomon, who had 700 wives and 300 concubines. How about that? You see, you could have done absolutely everything right. But they still had that free will. I mean, look at the most perfect parent, God. And he had Adam and Eve. Why? Number one reason why they have a free will. Number two is when they leave your home... A lot of times they are, uh, they go into a world that does not love God and does not love Jesus. Let's just be very honest. I talked to a psychology nurse uh, in Finley, Ohio, and she stated that she has 100 Finley students at uh, University of Finley that she meets with during each semester. And so I asked her a question. I said, why is that? I mean, I knew the reason but I just want to see if we agree. And she said, because they leave home and their, their, their foundation is destroyed. Their, their moral belief, their moral compass is destroyed. Because they go into the colleges and universities with professors that uh, don't hold to that. And they'll, they'll, take, they'll tear them apart. I said, so what do you tell them to do? I knew what she was going to say or what my recommendation would be. And, she, and we agree. She says, the number one thing that I make them do, the number one prescription I give them is, go to church. Go to church. I said, how many do that? She says, not, not very many. Most don't. You see, the kids, they might be brought up, but then eventually they're, they go out into the world, and now with uh, society the way it is in the last uh, two to three years with wokeness, that if you do not hold to the line that we hold to, we're going to not disagree with you, but we're going to destroy you. Not more than just a Facebook jail. But we will destroy you. My son, um, his, his, his advisor at Bowling Green State University went up to him and said, so how do you feel about homosexuality? And David said, it's wrong. He says, you know, I can get you kicked out of school for that statement. And David turned around and says, I will see you in court. 
Because one, you asked me. And number two, even if I did have this opinion, so? Well, he didn't kick him out. But that's the pressure that's going on. You must hold the line. If you don't hold the line, we will destroy you. So, so that's some of the reasons. But in Eli's account, you just had two kids that were, uh, that just basically disobeyed. And let's be honest, there are sometimes parents make mistakes. I never did. I was perfect, just ask my kids. But Dr. Charles Sundahl said there are four areas that Eli made a mistake on. And it's actually on the back of your, of your notes. The first area is this. Preoccupation with occupation to the exclusion of family. Preoccupation with occupation with the exclusion of family. I've never, ever heard anyone at the end of their life say, I wish I would have spent more time at my job. Number two, refusal to face the severity of my children's actions. Number three, failure to respond quickly and thoroughly to the warning of others. And when somebody comes up and says, your kid's bad, the first thing we do is go, oh, don't tell me my kids are bad. And then we get all upset about it. When a teacher comes and says, you need to deal with this with your kid, and then we blame the teacher. <clears throat> when a Sunday school teacher or, or a pastor or whatever else, somebody in authority comes up and says, your kid needs some help. You need to look into this area. And then we, we're, we get angry at the messenger. And so all these people went to Eli and gave him reports. By the way, these people who are in authority, they really do care. They really do. And I know teachers really do care. Listen to what they say. Lastly is... Rationalization of wrong, therefore becoming part of the problem. Um, let's see. Yeah. So, so um, and I, I want to go back to this a little bit because the rationalization here is if you see, uh, eventually we're going to see where uh, Eli became fat. What did he become fat on? the food that his children were stealing. It leads me to another statement. A sin is a sin until my children do it. Because what we do is we start rationalizing what our kids are doing because we don't, we can't bear with the fact and understand that our kids might be destined for hell. I know this is a blunt statement, but let's be honest. Is Romans chapter 1 true or not? Okay. So Hophni and Phineas were worthless scoundrels. Which leads us to the first point that we need to make. Or the second point is. First action step is this. Tell your children the truth regardless of their age. Tell them the truth. It is their responsibility to accept the truth or not. They can be 50 years old and you're still the parent. And as 50 years old, you can go to them and say, what you're doing is wrong and not biblical. Let's be blunt with that. You can do that. Because you're the parent. Now, notice what it says, verse 23. So he, Eli, said to them, Why do you do such things I hear from all the people about the wicked deeds of yours? 
Eli is probably, I remember what I said, about 70, maybe 80 years old, which means his kids were probably in their 50s. He still went to them and said, I'm hearing these reports. I, 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 now, we don't like doing that because we want our kids to like us. And our kids have a very valuable commodity for our older people. You know what it is? It's called grandkids. <laughs> and we want to be with our grandkids. <clears throat> so we, we, we don't want to uh, get them uh, upset at us. And many of us don't like conflict anyway. So, but you tell them the truth. You tell them because you love them. You tell them because you want them to know Jesus. By the way, hell's a very long time, by the way. You're, you're telling them because you want them to avoid the pitfalls and the slavery that sin causes. And you tell them because it's your responsibility. You don't believe me? Really? Let's go through all the Proverbs that talks about that. Like earrings of gold or an ornament of fine gold is the rebuke of a wise judge. Proverbs 15. He who listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. And then you've got James chapter 5, verse 20. It says, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. <clears throat> you see that? So it's saying that we are to confront them. Now, I know we're in a society that says, don't judge, judge not lest you be judged, which, by the way, is a misuse of that. But we, we are to tell them the truth. And true, they might accept it, they might not. I will be honest with you. I think most of the times they won't accept it. I'm just being honest. I won't well, go there. Because this is what he said. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering? This is God speaking here. That I prescribe for my dwelling. Why do you have honored your sons more than me? So when we rationalize and when we accept it, we're basically saying, my sons are more important than God. By fattening yourselves, there's a rationalization there. See it? Eli rationalized it. And he said, well, you know what? You know, we don't want it to go to waste. And he started it. On the choice parts of every offering made by my people. Rationalization is so easy to do. Those who allow their children in any evil way to continue do not and do not use their authority to restrain or punish them, in effect honoring their children more than they honor God. Brings you to the second. Oh, the results might be positive or it might be negative. I already talked about that. Brings me to the next second action point. Maintain authority in the areas you still have authority. Maintain authority in the areas you still have authority. Eli had authority over his sons. He was the high priest. He had a lot that he could have done. He could have, A, kicked them out of the, of the tabernacle. B, taken their duties away from them. Three, he could have killed them. I know that's a very uh, blunt statement, but when you look at um, uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 21, 
it says for a rebellious son, you're to take him out to the elders of the, of the town and they are to stone him in front of everybody as a warning. So, this, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we see that when Eli, eventually Eli's sons were killed and Eli died the same day at 98 years old. But notice what he says. This, this is the epitaph. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sins he knew about. He knew about the sins. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Even at 90 years old, 80, 90 years old, he failed to restrain them. So where do you have areas of authority? Your home, your finances, your family within your home, regardless of their age. This is going to be tough. Here we go. We're going to get really tough. Here. In your home, you are the authority. Do not allow things in your home that are sinful, even if it is your children that bring it. Okay. Um, Finance. You don't need to supplement their sinful behavior. My kids knew. I, I did a couple things for my kids when they were growing up. I constantly kept it in front of them. I kept the goal in front of them all the time. Kept the goal in front of them. And I told them over again, over again, I said, the more you compromise before marriage, the more we're going to compromise at the wedding. You see what I said? I kept it in front of them. And what I meant by that was very simply this. You decide to compromise before the wedding day, then I tell you what, we'll meet you on the courthouse square. But if you do your best, and I, understand, I didn't tell them this part. I understand mistakes happen. I understand. That's no problem. We will do our best to give you the best wedding possible. Do you know, I actually got this from a, an auto detailer. That had that idea. Uh, Cook's Body Shop, south of Auburn, Indiana. I would go up there and talk to him, and his dad was there, and he was, talking, he was complaining about his daughter's wedding, how expensive it was. Oh, it was terrible. It was expensive. And it was just terrible. It was expensive. And, and then he says, Then my daughter came up to me and backed me in a corner. I go, Really? What'd she do? She goes, Dad, I've saved myself for marriage. I think I should celebrate. Mm-hmm. He goes, You got me there. You got me there. And that's what I told my kids. I said, I will do my best to give you the best. But when you compromise, don't you're going to expect me to compromise too. But also family within your home. It is your home. It is God's home. You don't need to accept sin in your home just because you're afraid that your kids might not like you. Home, bring my boyfriend in. There's nothing you can do about it. Yes, there is. There's the hotel. You're here. You're here. Oh, that's, I don't want to do that. And you go to a hotel. You're not going to finance it. See, see what I'm saying? You still have that authority. Uh, and then lastly is celebrate. Okay, we're talking about the negatives so many times. 
And it's easy to look at it. Sometimes I feel like we're ESPN. You know, ESPN, you sit back at the football games and everything else, and they, they point out everything everybody's always done wrong. Very rarely do they point out the good thing. Look at that catch. Oh, wow, he did a great job. But most of the time, you know, if you would have went this way, then would have went this way. So sometimes I feel like we are ESPN. But we also need to celebrate when things go well and when our kids uh, do well. Because here's, here's the problem with dysfunctional families. Dysfunctional families, you're so focused on the negative kid that you forget about the positive kids. So, so celebrate the positive kids. And I know it's hard because you're, you know, here's this kid that's doing this, 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 but you've got all these kids over here. And they learn, in order to get attention, is I need to start acting this way. Because it's... Because Billy Boy here, I mean, he, he's the one getting all the attention. So, actually, this comes from the prodigal son story. We're going to talk about the prodigal son story next week. But, um, but here it talks about um, when, when the son came home, celebrated. He celebrated. And, and we'll talk more about that next week. But when your kids wake up.